Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It hit with the force of 10,000 nuclear weapons. A trillion tons of dirt and rock hurtled into the atmosphere, creating a suffocating blanket of dust the sun was powerless to penetrate for a thousand years. It happened before. It will happen again. It's just a question of when. Action Movie Rewind is back for the first episode in 2021. On the show, we do a deep dive into one of the blockbuster classics of the 90s, Armageddon. First, we're going to talk about the putrid Timberwolves, and we'll also wrap with Royce later on the show. And a shout-out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is uh, back with us for 2021, and they are bringing even more tools to the table for business owners. How helpful would it be for you to have employee training at your fingertips? Industry resources that can help your business reach another level of success. Well, that's why Federated Mutual Insurance Company recently launched MyShield, the online client destination for risk management resources. We're talking about resources like safety training and videos, customizable risk management plans, sample risk management policies and checklists, workplace posters, employee handbook builders, and much, much more. Frontline protection and peace of mind. That's what Federated and MyShield offer up if you're a business owner. Go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more or download the MyShield app. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. These guys, these guys are, are playing hard. I mean, maybe, maybe it's not every possession. It, maybe it doesn't look like it every possession, you know, with, with some of our defensive mistakes. But I absolutely don't don't feel that anybody is uh, is not giving effort out there. It's hard if you don't believe in it, and I believe in it. Gerson believes in it, so that's why that's why you know you focus on. And hey, I get it. Losses, you know, when they do stack up, it hurts. It hurts. We're all competitors here. Listen, you negative Nancys are going to focus on the fact that the Timberwolves were down by 30-plus points in the third quarter last night against the Portland Trailblazers. I subjected myself to that. Hey, they were up by four, like, four minutes in. I subjected myself to that entire game, and I don't know exactly why. That's fine. And and you can be negative. I'm focusing on the positive and also focusing (laughs) on being right because our mutual (laughs) friend Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press tweeted out last night during that game, 
Ed Davis is the Wolves' best screener right now, and it's not remotely close. I'm telling you, the magic straw that that stirs the drink, Ed Davis setting perfect screens up and down. These guys need to come off those screens better. Make some more shots. Ed Davis is a legendary screener. Just because I sent you a text halfway through the game last (laughs) night that said Ed Davis stinks doesn't mean that we have to talk about his ability to screen. Um yeah, let me just say this again. Uh, I understand losses because, you know, teams, especially teams that aren't great and don't have their star player lose games. But when you are trailing by 31 points in the third quarter and Portland removes all of their starters and you make a run and poor Dave Benz has to talk about, hey, you know, the Timberwolves are making a run here and they're doing it against the junior varsity of the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> that is somewhat disturbing. What is it about basketball teams in this town of late that when they lose, i.e. the Gophers on the road, right? Like, I, I get it. Lose by five. Stuff happens. It's life. <laughs> But your trail, like, you get dusted by the Lakers. I sort of get that one, right? The Clippers, okay, that's, you know, I get the loss, but I don't, I don't yeah. get the fact. And then you lose back-to-back games to Denver and talk about, hey, you know, we lost, but uh, it's closer. I mean, it's looking good. And you go to Portland and get absolutely drilled. I, I'm going to go on a limb here. And, uh, you know, D'Angelo Russell last week was talking about how, listen— it's before you can win. And by the way, this is D'Angelo Russell. This is a guy who has a ton of experience winning at the highest levels of the NBA so far. Uh, D'Angelo Russell said, before you have to worry about winning and before you can you know, go down that path, you got you to gotta learn how to lose the right way. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say last night was not exactly the manuscript okay. for how to lose properly you, in the NBA. And what he said and what you just said gave me an idea. Last night, as I rude my decision to keep Xfinity and Fox Sports North, okay? Here's my idea. I, I, I was $300 cable bill. I was now, why don't you shut thrilled up? last why don't night you shut up, that Declan? Sinclair pulled FSN off <laughs> you of should, YouTube you TV. You should write everyone a note saying, thank, thank you. you for disabling my ability to watch this crap. Okay, what the Wolves need to do is petition the National Basketball Association immediately to change the columns from W and L to... <laughs> W G L B L good loss, bad loss. Okay. Cause if we look at it in that light, those Denver games, there's a couple GLs, a couple good losses, a couple good okay. losses. We yeah. feel good about GLs. those losses. Uh, Lakers, Clippers, Blazers, eh, they're BLs, bad losses. We need to have a third. We need to have three categories. Well, hockey, cat- hockey already has that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm a hockey guy. Dex is too. I love you. you I'm bringing you, new ideas. You lost you get- the game, but it was tied pretty late. So, so here's you're going to get a point. <laughs> Why not? Everybody gets one. That's what we need here. Oh my god. Um, I would say. All right. I'm trying to. I'm trying to see if there's any silver linings last night because uh, I was I was ducking in and out of some of the highlight clips. And uh, Anthony Edwards had a posterizing dunk last night. So that was fun to watch. And um, Ricky Rubio had fun playing with the backups. In fact, for a while there. I had a question about him for you. you know, he, had, he had double-digit assists last night. And for a while there, he was orchestrating a, a comeback that shaved the lead from like 30 down to like 16. So mm-hmm. a couple of silver linings last night. I got a question for you. Serious question. And it's disturbing but I might be overreacting shockingly a bit. Rubio, what is your opinion when you watch him play? He looks 
a lot older than the last time I watched him play in the Timberwolves uniform. That's what, and he's not that old. That's what yeah. I'm thinking, too. But am I He's never mi- been the fastest guy. But. Am I missing something, though, that they're doing that is slowing him? I mean, he literally looks like an old man. Yeah. He's, you know, he's never been... He's never been like speed around Russell Westbrook energy guy, right? He's never been above the rim guy. So I don't know. I it, It's hard to say. Like he also has a style that's a little bit more silky smooth and slow the slow things down. So is he doing it on purpose to just try? That's and what I'm asking people you. To if, slow if you down? think there, that there is something behind this that goes beyond the fact that he just looks old. Yeah. Yeah. I, I probably need to see a little bit more. I mean, <laughs> Good luck. Good luck with that. He's, but like he wasn't brought Come in. To my house. He wasn't brought in to like be the, the the guy on the court that no, I know elevates you to the NBA finals. He's more of like leader behind the scenes guy that's going to play twenty minutes or so. I know. And I think what I would be most highly concerned about here is yes, they're playing without Carl Anthony Towns. They were two and zero with Carl Anthony Towns, and and like your product is centered around Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. But you can't look this bad without him. Like he's no. not. He's not a thirty-point difference player in the in the third quarter last night. So also like the fact that he's now out for chunks again with a wrist injury. I mean, it, there's there's questions about his durability long term. I would just say that as exciting as the first two games were, and wow, like this team can score some points. They're actually pretty engaged on defense. Not perfect, but Carl Anthony Towns looks great. Yep. Um, it's you're just waiting for him to come back at this point because. They are lost without him. And in fairness, you got a you got a bunch of new players. You're installing new things, but you can play defense. Well, but what I'm saying is like a lot of the guys that they brought in, especially like Anthony Edwards, these guys have just never played defense in the NBA before, and it's going to take you a long time to figure it out. So I'm trying to I'm trying to decide between how much can I tolerate from a growing pains chemistry building that you're putting together this house. Yes. How much can I continue to watch them build this house yes. and have the ladder fall on their head uh, versus what should the house look like if if Carl Anthony Towns is in it versus what this thing needs to look like for them to actually be relevant next year or the year after that. So it's way too early to get right now judgy after eight games, but, but it looks pretty bad. But right now, I think that we can all tolerate GLs, but BLs we can't. The bad losses we can't. That's the thing. You can't lose. By 30 points. Like, you just can't. Well, well they didn't. They only lost by 18. And, so, well, yeah, about. exactly. But if you if you look like you are engaged, I, I do have serious reservations about whether Ryan can do this from a from a human coaching yeah. standpoint of what you need to do with players. So, so, like, I think he's got the schemes down, and I think he's probably a really solid basketball guy. Um. But it, it seems like he is the player's buddy, and he's always defending him. And I, I get that from a media perspective, Phil. But just from a perspective of do you have the ability to get them to take that next step? Because, I mean, this is a league full of people with egos uh, and a lot of pride. And I think that they're, I think there's a, a, a person between Ryan and Tibbs. Well, there's a reason why most of the successful coaches in the NBA aren't in their mid-30s. Like... Right. It's it's really hard even with a, a put together competent veteran roster to to get what you need out of a team. He's just like he's in the deep end, man. Mm-hmm. He is in the deep end. I th- I I've I've said it before. I think he is a brilliant basketball mind. I think he is going to be a head coach long term. But I also think 
this is a lot of water to take on when you're young and you've got all these players that you're trying to mold together for the first time. The thing that I am so so Ryan Saunders definitely has a lot to prove as a coach. The thing that I am the most red flaggy about, and even though he's been putting up some good numbers, like he was nine of sixteen last night, twenty six points, he had some assists. Like D'Angelo Russell is is having some good games in the box score offensively. Yeah, but you're paying him max money in in, in a salary cap league. And Carl Anthony Towns is in this bucket too. Like you're paying him max money to carry the team. Like he's not just a passenger. D'Angelo Russell and Carl yeah, Anthony Towns right. have to carry this team. And so when, like when LeBron James goes out for the Lakers, they don't just lose by thirty. Now part of it's because they've got better, you know, role players and a better system and better defensive players, et cetera. But like their other max player is good enough to still win you games. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem, like, in the NBA, if you get into the habit, and they did this with Wiggins, where, well, we're going to give a guy a max contract, or we're going to trade for a guy with a max contract, well, you got to be sure that that guy can carry you. And people are going to say, what do you mean? He scored 26 points. Like, he, it's it's the other guy's fault. And, yes, the other guys, the fact that Ed Davis is starting for you, and, like, is is you can literally just leave him alone offensively, and you don't have to worry about anything. And the fact that... Jake Lehman started the first handful of games and didn't take a shot for like the first three games. Because when he did, it was awful. Right. There are role player issues yeah. for sure. And this roster is is nowhere near perfect. But long term, you're going to need more defensively and offensively from the guy that you are giving max money to next to Carl Anthony Towns. So that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah. And, and when Cat is out, which has been, I think, all but three games that D'Lo has played for the Wolves, when Cat is out, D. Dilo does not consistently look like a guy who thinks he is taking on the assignment that you're talking about. There are times when he does. But if you're like watching the Wolves play and it's D'Angelo and no cat, it does not look like for the entire game that he is prepared to take on that role. And and he especially gets, def- like defensively, and defensively he's just, no, he's a net. And, and yeah. he gets and he also offensively, I think at times gets frustrated. And, and so he basically says, screw it, I'll, I'll just try and do this by myself, which can be the goal sometimes, but it can't be the goal all of the time. But I do think the one thing to keep in mind is that Ryan Saunders and a judgment of this team is going nowhere until Cat plays a substantial amount of games with with D'Lo, and we see a sample size that at least can be judged accurately. And right now, we don't. Yep. So, all right, well, well, we'll we'll keep an eye on them. And for now, I'm going to keep watching other things. It's your club. Uh, it's uh, your Wolves club. You should be, yeah. I was going to watch them all. I was excited to watch I mean, every minute of the Wolves. Em. And now I'm like. It's I, not legal, but you found a way to watch Last them. night, I literally, so so Armageddon was on my list of things because we have uh, actually we rewind today. I hope you it's have, like a nine-hour movie. I hope you reserve some time for that. But I was kind of excited. I was like, I'm going to watch part of Armageddon, and then I'm going to watch the Wolves, and then I'm going to watch the rest of Armageddon. Mm-hmm. And I got to the point, I think the Wolves. They were getting into the second quarter, and I was like, All right, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna engage with the wolves for the rest of the night." And then I was like, "Oh, they're already down by 20." Mm. And then Portland wound up putting up 47 points in the second quarter, and I was like, "I'm gonna keep watching." How am I the guy good. on this show who was watching this blasted basketball team the most? Hey, you, you upset Stella. I saw your tweet. You yelled at the oh, TV. Oh, okay. So we had a back-to-back possession, I believe, last night. I'm not joking. Jared Vanderbilt. Who I actually like because he plays his ass off. Yeah, he had a double double last night, and he—I st- think he stole a ball below <laughs> the basket, and basically all he had to do was go up 
and dunk it, which is what he did. Yeah. The ball, I believe, hit the back of the rim and bounced off. So I, but I, I remain calm because it was bad. But you know what? He tried hard. Okay. He tried. So yeah. then, in like the next series, or I don't know when, the next trip down the floor, Jarrett Culver gets the ball. Like same thing. I, like all he has to do is go up, slam it. He goes up and tries to lay the ball in. It rolls off, yeah. and that's the point where I started screaming at the TV, and Stella got pissed off. I was like, Stella, how do you miss back-to-back? I mean, they're bunnies, basically, for lack of a better term. No. Yeah, they uh, they miss a lot of layups. How do you miss layups? Here's one for you, all right? So I've got the Wolves. How? I've got the Wolves' uh, <laughs> stat page, the, the shooting stats open right now. And the Wolves, now some of this is small sample size, but You're blind. Field, You're blind. <laughs> field goal percentage Point blank, so zero to three feet. So you're literally just like like layup range, right? Ed Davis, thirty one percent from zero to three feet on the season. Yeah, uh, Malik Beasley, fifty three percent. Like, all right, come on, dude, fifty three percent. Ricky Rubio has always been pretty bad at the rim. He's like fifty percent from the rim, and they missed a couple last night. So, anyways, all right, well. Maybe the Wolves will get Carl Anthony Towns back for the second half of the season, and we can actually see what this team is supposed to look like. Him and D'Lo have played three games together. Yeah, ever one, one last, three games together. One before the stoppage, and then two this year. It was it's the size of Texas, Mr. President. Yeah, yes, sir. Dan, we didn't see this thing coming. Well, our object collision budget's a million dollars. That allows us to track about three percent of the sky. And begging your pardon, sir, but it's a big ass sky. And the ones this morning? Uh, those are nothing. Uh, they're the size of basketballs and, and uh, Volkswagens, things like that. Is this going to hit us? We're efforting that as we speak, sir. What kind of damage are we? Damage? Total, sir. It's what we call a global killer. The end of mankind. Doesn't matter where it hits. Nothing would survive, not even bacteria. My God. <laughs> Bury the lead much? Yeah. My God. Oh, and by the way, it's a global killer. Uh, yeah. What kind of damage are we talking? Oh, uh, the, the whole world. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Really Did bad. I forget to mention that off Love the top? Really bad. Action Movie Rewind in just a second. But you know what? Our friends at Corona, so we, uh, we've we really enjoyed our partnership with Corona and Corona Hard Seltzer all throughout the football season. They have kept us hydrated. They have, uh, they have helped us cope. And they're also helping you with this ultimate tailgate experience through the football playoffs. Get ready for this, okay? Sweepstakes will award six winners with a Corona Game Day prize pack valued at over $3,500, including a 70-inch TV, wireless surround system, football furniture, a football grill. Actually, it's a Corona grill. It's not shaped like a football, but it's a grill. I'm it's looking awesome. at it right now. Love it looks it. Yeah. great. Yeah, oh, it's awesome. huge. Yep. And then you got uh, the beanbag set, all kinds of cool things. The football furniture is really, if I could just pick one thing here, I've already got a couple TVs. The football, the football furniture. Football, oh, it's a helmet, too. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It's great. So uh, details, rules, and entry can be found at gamedaywithcorona.com. If you want to enter gamedaywithcorona.com, you must be 21 or over and live within a 40-mile radius of Minneapolis. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes subject to change. Enter by January 18, 2021. We need like a sped up version of me reading the uh, the fine print here. Corona beers imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Relax responsibly. I know if you have to go. We can all just sit here on Earth, wait for this big rock to crash into it, kill everything and everybody we know. The United States government just asked us to save the world. Anybody want to say no? 20 years. Haven't turned you down once. 
not about to start now. Well, there. Guess I can't let you go up there alone. I'm with you. I mean, this is this is historic, guys. This is like deep blue hero stuff. Of course, I'm in. <laughs> While I don't share his enthusiasm, you know me. Beam me up, Scotty. You all right, Max? I, I don't. I, I don't. Whatever you think. What about you? Man. All right then. We go. Welcome to the party, pal. Action movie reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee ki mother. Miss Tamper, Colonel Willie Sharp, United States Air Force man. Requesting permission to shake the hand of the daughter of the bravest man I've ever met. Oh my God! You're my hero. Oh, baby. I want to have babies. <laughs> Welcome back, cowboy. Uh, Harry wanted you to have this. You <laughs> did, huh? actually happened to Judd after he walked out of uh, the Week 17 game of the 2010 yeah. Vikings season. Somebody greeted him and said, boy, after covering that season, I just want to shake the hand no of the bravest man I've ever met. Permission to shake the hand of the dumbest person I've ever run across. <laughs> so the movie is Action, Action Movie Rewind. It's our first episode of 2021. A bunch of people have asked uh, in recent weeks, I'm just discovering this for the first time. Where can I find the other episodes? Well, for now... You just have to go back and find the Friday edition of Mackie and Judd podcast. Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com. Uh, the Pod MN app is another great place. So just go find those. At some point, we might catalog them in a separate feed, but that takes a lot of time and work, and we're definitely busy. We're busy. So <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll do that at some point. I'm busy. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be I a like ridiculous how you project. Off that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll do that at some point. All right. But today's <laughs> deep dive is one of the 90s blockbuster classics, one of the most expensive Classic. movies ever made, Armageddon, 1998. Here are the details, boys. When an asteroid threatens to collide with Earth, NASA honcho Dan Truman, played by Billy Bob Thornton, magnificently, I might add, determines the only way to stop the asteroid is to drill into its surface and detonate a nuclear bomb. This leads him to renowned driller Harry Stamper, played by Bruce Willis, who agrees to helm the dangerous space mission, provided he can bring along his own hotshot crew. Among them is the cocksure AJ, played by Ben Affleck and his new teeth, which we'll get to, who Harry thinks isn't good enough for his daughter, Liv Tyler, until the mission proves otherwise. (laughs) It's saving the world. It's building lasting, loving relationships. It's mending fences. It's 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. Criminally low. Here's the critic. It won Bruce a Razzie. For a worst performance. For a worst performance. (laughs) They had multiple nominations. Here's the critic's consensus from Rotten Tomatoes. Lovely to look at, but about as intelligent as the asteroid that serves as the movie's antagonist. Armageddon slickly sums up the cinematic legacies of producer Jerry Bruckheimer <laughs> and director Michael Bay. A $140 million budget, which may have been, can't remember, we had that list before. It's, at the time, it was like one of, if not the Had most expensive been, yep. movies of all time. Yep. Turned into $554 million worldwide at the box office. So it was a blockbuster uh, box office hit. Liv Tyler, Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Billy Bob Thornton, Will Patton, 
a year before, remember the Titans, uh, Steve Buscemi, Michael Clark Duncan, Owen Wilson, and others. Directed and produced, as mentioned, by Michael Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer, kings of the big-budget action movies during this era and even in the 80s with uh, Bruckheimer. Previous to this, in the in the couple years prior, they had both collaborated on The Rock and Bad Boys. And so they were, they were feeling themselves. Yeah. Well, they had done this a good was, job. Yeah, this was had. a heat check movie for them. Let's get $140 million. They let's got their big it, check. Let's make it as long as Gone with the Wind. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we'll start with Judd Zolgad. What was your key takeaway from Armageddon? Oh, boy. Sorry for going 30 minutes over your two-hour limit. 30 too. minutes over, and it was completely <laughs> unnecessary. Oh, Com- come on. Completely unnecessary. What do you mean? So my takeaway was this. This is the danger of having a budget that continually, I believe, gets added to as the film goes on. Hey, you, oh, here's $100 million. Oh, you want $30 million? That's fine. With huge names. Because it had huge names. And a desire to continue to write and put in special effects throughout the entire film. You could hear the conversations internally, right? Yeah, what should we do here? You know what? Let's write in a scene where we give the guys a night off and do more backstory that we really don't need. But yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. One more casino scene. Yeah. Hold on a second here. That's not enough. You're right. Let's write in a scene where they're about to leave and Ben Affleck sings to Liv Tyler leaving on a jet plane and everybody joins in. It'll be great. It's, oh. a, it's great. Yeah, you know what? Let's write that in. That was a great scene. It showed how emotionally connected yeah, the man. two characters were. Hold on a second. Okay, so to start the film, we killed, we killed the guys in space uh, because the asteroid hit them. We then blew up a large portion of New York. That's not enough. Let's blow up Shanghai and Paris, too, and show it in 1998 special effects, which back then was awesome and now is not as great. This is the danger because because Bruckheimer, for the most part, is great. Like his films are are great. But this is the danger of him being so big that they just continue to add and add and add. And that's how you get to two and a half hours (laughs) of Armageddon. Which, which, by the way, could cannot hold, in my opinion, a candle to Independence Day. This, which is great. Yeah, they're they're actually kind of kind of similar in that they're like you're you're fending off in the case of yeah. Independence Day aliens, but in this case, like an asteroid, you're fending off invaders from space. One's an inanimate object; the other are aliens. I think my main takeaway is that this movie just puts a stamp on everything excess from the 90s like it was just all the possible bells and whistles and tricks and whatever tools you had at your disposal as a movie maker in 1998 it was like yes let's budget to use all of them and every last shred of it yeah it's and and Bruckheimer movies are famous for having just quick cuts all the time like if you go back and watch it through that lens you'll notice that almost every single shot is like three seconds or less or or even like one or two seconds. It's just boom, 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 boom. Even if it's just like back and forth and different angles. And so you get done with this after two and a half hours and you literally need to like lay down because it's just stimulation overload. Uh, and I got a million other thoughts that I want to say for some of the other categories. So Declan, what was your main takeaway from this movie? I mean, amazing cast. Honestly, a great cast, like a, 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 a all-star cast. 
I was really excited about that. I I think that's what made me very interested in the movie. It means Buscemi. I love Steve Buscemi. He plays yeah. the same character in every, every movie. Every film. But he's marvelous. Every film. He's, he has he has mastered. He kills it every time. It's like a 25-year career just playing the same weirdo in every yeah. single movie, right? Yeah. Smart, weird, sexual, deviant. Um, <laughs> yes. That's what he is. That's, that is what he is. Criminal. Yep. Uh, but it, I think it hits, I know it's long, but it hits on everything we're looking for. It's got over-the-top special effects, ridiculous plot line, like the most, abs- one of the most absurd plot lines I have ever heard. Hey, an asteroid, an, an, an asteroid's coming to Earth that's the size of Texas, going to wipe out civilization like the dinosaurs did. What do we do? Oh, uh, my instant thought, uh, deep, deep oil triggers. Deep oil diggers, we're going to get them. Actually, their first thought was, what if we put, like, a net up in space and caught the asteroid? Yeah. Which probably makes more sense. It makes no, that, that <laughs> The net probably makes more sense Build than a wall. the deep oil diggers trying to go in and dig through it. But it, it has ridiculous over the uh, uh, special effects that are over the top. I cried. I totally cried at the end. What? I totally you cried. did? I cried. Oh, my I God. Let's see if we can get Declan to cry again here. Miss Stamper, Colonel Willie Sharp, well, United States Air Force, man. Requesting permission to shake the hand of the daughter of the bravest man I've ever met. I just got chills. I just got chills. By the way, I, got, I, I cried at the father and Liv Tyler Bruce Willis goodbye scene. I cried oh, at that scene. Yeah, when he gets on yeah. at Nassau and is allowed to give a long dissertation. Maybe I'm, I'm not coming home. Did you know that uh, production notes? So Bruce Willis was actually in the filming of that scene, was looking down at pictures of his own daughter so that he could squeeze out some actual tears. Oh, no. Oh, wow, no. That's cool. It's good to know. But yeah, I, I, cried. I, I, I cried. I enjoyed this movie is what I, I will say. I'll say really? my ranking, but I enjoyed it. I know it's long, but I enjoyed it. All right. All right, Joe, what was your favorite thing about Armageddon? Seeing which which mega stars they were going to kill. Almost all of them. So for a second, I for a second, I almost, almost I bought into the fact Affleck might be dead because there were like three times where he had to be dead. There were like at least three times (laughs) where he suffered what had to be considered a catastrophic injury. Um, But I actually enjoyed following along and seeing which, which stars they decided, okay, we got to kill. And I I don't, I don't count Bruce at the end because he goes out as the, uh, Hero of the film, obviously, and it's and it's towards the it's at the very end, and then you know. But I was curious who got to come back to Earth, who didn't. So my actual favorite part was was like a bingo card tracking who was going to live and who was going to die. (laughs) That was my favorite part. Owen Wilson. The minute you saw him on camera, you're like, that guy's totally dying first, right? 100%. hundred percent. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. My favorite thing about this movie was is what Declan brought up. It's the dodgy premise. Yeah. It's so, like, it's so far and beyond and ridiculous. It, 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 just go back to speed for a second, because you guys took issue with my issue with speed. Yep. That, like, you got to keep the bus over 50 miles an hour, 55 or whatever don't it was. You it was rebut, like, don't you rebut yeah. speed again. And it was like. They thought it was realistic that you could drive a bus that fast, like off exits and stuff. And they were trying to make it realistic. This was just like they blew past the realistic stop sign mm-hmm. shamelessly. And um, and I've got a quote here I found off of some website where. Uh, so I'll just read this to you guys. Even Ben Affleck didn't think the storyline was actually believable. And during the DVD commentary, he revealed what happened when he asked director Michael Bay a particular question about the plot. Quote, I asked Michael, why is it easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts 
than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers, Affleck said. And he told me to shut the bleep up. And that was the end of that talk. <laughs> ben Affleck asking then, questions, wants answers. So, ben Affleck. So they've got they have 18 days until the asteroid hits Earth and destroys all life forms, including bacteria, right? And their only plan, as Declan said off the top, is to drill a hole in it on the fly and jam a nuclear bomb onto the inside of this six-mile radius asteroid. And and they're they're 100% sure that that's going to work if they can do it. But they're also 100% sure that if you just shoot nuclear bombs at or missiles at the asteroid, that that will for sure not work and it will still kill everybody. It'll hit Earth. How can they be so sure about either one of those <laughs> yes. things? Shut the bleep up. <laughs> what are you talking about? And then, okay, and then. I'm with Michael this Bannis. Don't, don't question this. So then they're like 95% of the way. Like they've sent, they've trained these oil drillers to be astronauts and they've sent them up into space and they've landed on the asteroid and they've started drilling. They've actually started drilling. They're like 150 feet in. And the president from however many, you know, miles away yep. pulls the plug on the mission. Yeah. Pulls the plug on the mission. Like, wait a second. We just trained oil drillers to be astronauts, sent them onto the face of an asteroid with a drill bit, and they're like 25% of the way done. And the president's like, nope. We're done. We're done. (laughs) Pull everything out. And you know what? (laughs) A major flaw, in my opinion, in the casting and execution of this film was the lack of the president's really being in the film. Yeah, we need a Bill Pullman. Well, Bill Pullman. We need a Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman, as, as, as silly as the fact that he actually then flies a mission and, like, blows up the uh, the aliens in Independence Day, Bill Pullman's great in that film, right? Yeah. Like, you needed, you needed the president to be not the forefront of this film, but to be involved. But this was like a cowardly president, right? Yeah. He, or like an, it was like I know, an but I need a pre- president. But I need a president. Yeah. I actually like General Kimsey more than I like the president. Keith David. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I he like was him good. Way more. He was but awesome. I want the president like to have a role. To what extent, off of this, to what extent after watching this, do you guys fear a massive yeah. Earth-ending meteor colliding I, with I, Earth? I wrote down, would I rather die from a natural disaster like this or from COVID? I literally wrote that down in my notes. Like, would I rather be killed by, like, a global pandemic or from a asteroid? And I honestly might I might take the asteroid. It's asteroid if you don't know. Yeah. I would I would rather I would rather just, like, have That's an asteroid hit us and we all die. That's yeah. another thing that we have, have to talk about. But if you tell me with, like, two weeks advance notice there's going to be an One asteroid, these, yeah. you can't just, like, go to Canada. <laughs> Everyone's going to die. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'd probably still choose that because I don't want to have like lung problems for two weeks and then die. Sure. But didn't the notes on, on this say that, that the biggest asteroid that, that could actually hit Earth is like three miles or four? It, it's like w- right. way smaller <laughs> than the state of Texas. Okay. So I think that the fact was that they also completely made up what the size of an asteroid could possibly be. Well, according to stardate.org, the chances of something like this, even on a smaller scale, happening in our lifetimes. So I'm going to read you this number. Okay. My first thought was like, okay, that's that's like, there's definitely not a good chance of it happening, but I was kind of hoping the number would be even bigger. It's one in ten thousand. There's a one in ten thousand chance something hitting Earth that in our lifetimes. A big asteroid would hit Earth, and like one in ten thousand. You're probably fine, right? But it's also like that's it's like half of an arena. Yeah, 
10,000 to one. I don't yeah, buy that. It says over thousands or millions of years, major impacts become pretty likely. Ancient craters on Earth's surface prove that large objects have hit Earth in the past, and there's no reason to think that this won't continue at some point into the future. Now, there was a story at some point that NASA used this movie in their training process not to show, like, all right, here's how you become an astronaut, but to show, uh, they would show the video to see if the aspiring astronauts could pick out the 160-plus scientific flaws in the movie. But then there was another conflicting report in in my uh, Wikipedia research (laughs) that said that that didn't actually happen, but um, it would be hilarious if it did. Can you imagine forcing astronauts in training to sit down for two and a half hours and watch this thing, trying to pick (laughs) out the 300 flaws? Oh, that's amazing. Declan, what was your favorite part of this movie? Uh, To the surprise of no one, Liv Tyler. I love Liv Tyler. She had a run there, man. She had a run. She's only 21, I think, in this movie. I did the math. Um, There's a scene, and at first I wanted to jump out of my two-story balcony window when I was first watching this, and then I had an epiphany. So it's the scene where right before they're doing the launch and her and Affleck are having, like, a little picnic, and it's like the post-pillow talk thing, and, like, there's an animal cracker involved, and Affleck's, like, pretending to be an animal cracker on her body. And at first, I'm like, man, this is some You've done that painful, before. horrible that's, acting. That's your dream now. Oh, going hold forward. on, hold on, I'll get there. Oh. And at first, I was very, I was very upset and confused by it, and I was like, this is some awful acting. And then I had an epiphany of I would give my life savings to be that animal cracker. <laughs> so I, I completely understood. Well, you're, you're right where about it was going. both things, Dex. Yeah, like it was. In fact, we should discuss the career arc of one Benjamin Affleck because this was at this was at the point where that man could not act his way out of a paper bag but he's become i think a he's great become actor. good he's become, he's become good. good but but goodwill <laughs> hunting which he wrote with Damon in which Damon is just phenomenal Affleck's good cuz he plays this dumb friend so he's like fine. That was the year before this came out. And it's a great film. It launched him into this movie. And Damon is outstanding. Like, he's great. And, and I, I believe the two of those guys wrote the film together, and so they both deserve credit. And, and then he did, um, what's the one that he did, I think, where they're the devil as well with Damon? He, he did a bunch of, or he did small projects that were actually good films that I think were successful. But as far as big budget actual acting, he could not act. My contention about Ben Affleck was... The first film that I saw him and said, whoa, something's changed, was The Town. I think in The Town, he's brilliant. The I Town think he's, is a great movie. I think he's really, really good, good. But this was at the point where he took roles, and my God, was he bad. I'm just going through his his IMDb here. I'm going to pick out – I haven't heard of all these movies. At one point, he was doing like four or five movies a year, Yeah, and I haven't heard of all these. But he went Goodwill Hunting, Shakespeare in Love, Armageddon. There's a few I've never heard. Dogma, and there's a couple other Dogma's, ones. Dogma's good. Dogma's great. That, mm-hmm. That's the, the, the film that I'm talking about with Matt Damon. Boiler Room. Boiler Room is good, but not because of Ben Pearl Affleck. Harbor's awful. I'm sorry. Pearl Harbor 2001. Never saw has it. has a very similar feel to yeah, this movie. it does. It's pretty much Where the it's same like, thing. you know, you're kind of, you're although, like, it's it's based on a true story because it's based on the Pearl Harbor attacks. Right. But, uh, but Pearl Harbor. <laughs> At least it's plausible. Actually, like, I went on a high school date with a girl to see Pearl Harbor. Not the best choice. How long is Pearl Harbor? 
Uh, it's probably it's got to be over. Oh, two it's hours. like three. It's it's three hours three minutes. Because I remember. Are you we, serious? Yes, I remember. This was. <laughs> what one were of, you thinking, this, Bill? This was one of the, like the first films like on DVDs oh where they still had to split it up into two discs because That's like right. the, it was in the early parts of the DVDs. It's three hours three minutes. When's Whoa. the last time we like we don't get three hour movies anymore? I no. feel like uh, like Avenger. I think one of the Marvel movies was like one of the last ones. Oh. Changing lanes. Never. Oh. Geely was panned widely oh, in 2003. Was, yes, that Jennifer was. Jennifer Lopez. Daredevil. He Jersey was Daredevil. Girl. All right, then yeah, he sta- starts to pick it up a little bit here. Well, Smoke and Aces in 06, Gone Baby Gone. Uh, but you're right, movie. 2010, The Town. The Town. I think that's when the tone changed with him. Yeah. Really good movie. And then he was in another great movie two years later, Argo, if you guys I saw that, that. And he's really good in that. Yes. Gone Girl that's in 2014 phenomenal. is incredible. Yes. And then there's a few other I ones I think it here. changed. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if he, he got lessons. He or... wasn't a good Batman. I'll tell you that much. He was not a good Batman. He yeah. he, he was one. He was he the Batman to, after Bale. But... So I, I thought his biggest problem in a lot of the films like this was the fact that he thought he had to act a lot, <laughs> like he was acting. Well, he wasn't I Ben love... Affleck yet. Now he can just kind of be Ben Affleck, yes. right? Right. Yeah, but yeah. but like if he he was in big budget films back then, you know, it, it was lines like. I love you. It's <laughs> yeah, like he was, he's a yeah, goofy, just... goofy guy. Yeah. Uh, my favorite Liv Tyler movie is a movie called The Strangers from 2008. Oh, yeah. It's a horror movie. It's terrifying. That thing you do is that easily thing is my, my favorite. I love her too. in that. He's also in Lord of the Rings. And she has great lines in that. Yep. Great lines. I only watch her movies for the for the great lines. Oh, that yeah. that thing you, you do is Probably my favorite Tom Hanks venture. Yeah, and it's a great it one. is really? fan. Oh, it's a great, it's a really it's a great movie. movie. It's like, so well done. Wow, that, I feel like I to say it. that that's your favorite Tom Hanks venture is hot. Take I think it is my. Worthy. No, I think it is my favorite. He's a supplemental character. He's kind of like a supplemental. No, no, character but, but he like directed it's, and it's that's his favorite. film. Yeah, that's totally his film. Right. Oh man. Police are circling, man. Forrest Gump. For, so Forrest Gump is way too long. Forrest Gump is overrated. It is Field of Dreams too. If to it's me. over 120 minutes, Zolgad is not. It's honest dude. to God, Forrest Gump cut some of the scenes dude, out. Tom Hanks once did a two-hour movie with a volleyball. Okay, like, I, I know, and you know what? Not my favorite <laughs> Tom Hanks venture. That thing you do is the perfect film about a band. It's great. I love it. Tom Hanks is. Tom Hanks's films that that he won Oscars for are all too long, and I could have cut them down myself. If Tom Hanks would have been in Armageddon, what role would he have played? Uh, probably, probably Billy Bob or Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah no, like, like a more no, I think Billy version. Bob. I think Billy Bob. Yeah, a more thoughtful version of Billy Bob. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, yeah. in fact, in fact, the one person who was missing from this film that actually shocked me because at that time it would have fit in perfect, Kevin Costner. I thought you were going to say Will Smith. Well, that well that that too. But Kevin Costner to me would have fit in somewhere in this film yeah. perfectly. What was your least favorite part of Armageddon? Okay, all right. Hold on a second. I've got two pages. How much of time notes. do we have? Like? I got yeah. two pages. Of notes. This is going to go two hours and thirty three minutes, just like you forced me to watch this film. Okay, my least favorite part is this, and I'll, I'll just read off my script. So let me get this straight. At the start of the film, they kill the astronauts in space, which is fine. But then they also have the asteroid fragmenting and breaking up, and they blow up a good portion of New York, Manhattan, right? Which was very, the very world, creepy. The world to see. trade yeah. center scene is creepy, okay? It is, it is freaky. And yet, well into the film, well into it, I think until Paris gets hit, 
the impending doom of the situation remains, as Nassau says, classified. So let me get this one straight. New York is basically blown to smithereens, all right? And yet we get well into the film, and it's like people don't don't know yet. They don't know. Wouldn't you figure out when the evening news comes on and Manhattan's in tatters Something's that happening. something might have happened? Yeah. Like if you live in Chicago, wouldn't <laughs> you be like, oh, oh, you know what? No problem. It's just New York. <laughs> it is kind of hilarious, yeah. And then you see... You see these, like, people celebrating throughout the cities and stuff. It's like, I don't know. I feel like the vibe wouldn't be quite as joyous during right. these three weeks. But The end where they get, get back w- without basically half the crew. Yeah. And they're like, uh, let me shake the hand of the bravest guy I knew who just got blown to smithereens by a so, nuclear. So my least, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback off you because my least favorite part is actually the irresponsible media coverage of what's happening. Did you catch the part where, where so at one point during the movie, um, Billy, I think it was Billy Bob said there are nine satellites in the world that could see what is about to happen, and we own eight. Yep. And so I don't know what the ninth one was, if it was Russian or something, but or North Korean or w- whatever. But like his his thought was, we're gonna try and keep this quiet as long as possible. But at some point, news is gonna leak out that like there's a huge asteroid and it's gonna kill everybody. And so when 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 the end is in question, we get this shot of like all the major cities and we get a radio news guy or a TV news guy. And I wrote down the quote of the TV news guy here. Now, Judd Zolgad and I both went to journalism school. Uh, did you go to journalism school at St. Cloud? Yeah, they, they have journalism school. So we are all highly professional yep. trained journalists here in this room, okay? Yep. I'm going to read you the transcript. Now, mind you, this is a world ending event that you are reporting on here, okay? <laughs> and this is verbatim what the, I would assume, national. Uh, radio update guy is telling the world, quote, we're getting sketchy information that the mission has suffered a massive failure. What we're trying to do right now is confirm that and figure out what that means. We're getting leaks from NASA officials that the drilling was unsuccessful. All right. This isn't the scoop with Doogie where he can just flood out like, listen, all right, I talked to I'm here. I talked to a guy, Sources but it, you know, tell me. But I'm going to float this anyways because it's you new. Know, it's not like world-ending news if I'm wrong on this. No, this is. This is world-ending. And this reporter is saying, we're getting sketchy info. Quote, we're yeah. getting sketchy information that the mission has suffered a massive failure. So we're like checking Fox out news, it. Man. We're checking out it. Fox News. <laughs> I guess. And next up, Tucker Carlson tells you if the world's going to end or not. That's straight ahead. <laughs> So the the irresponsible media is what bothered me the most. My least favorite. I part can't of believe way. you picked on the media. <laughs> I just love the fact New York is obliterated and pe- people are like, ah, oh, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Who knows? Perhaps it's not going to be a problem is here that, in Montana. Is that hail? All right, Declan, your least favorite part of this movie. Uh, how the fact when they when they do the slingshot around the moon, which I'm fine with that part. I'm okay with, <laughs> even though it seems pretty much impossible. But all right, it's fine. It's space. I don't know anything about space. But when they finally land the two, like one plane lands pretty much unhinged, no problem on the asteroid. The other one completely misses the mark, wasn't even close. Everyone almost dies except for two. And I just thought it was ridiculous how one lands like completely fine and the other one, they all basically almost die. Like what? Four of the six die, I think, on that, on that, on the, on the independence one, whatever the. Wasn't it all of them died? 
Didn't all of them die? No. Because no, Affleck and Duncan survived. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's and right. Owen okay. Wilson died. And, and, the, the, and the two pilots died. That's right. They got Rover. blown out the and window. They, yeah, and they rode their little, yeah. But they were fine. Yeah. And then, but the rest of them were fine. And then part two of uh, the the actor almost turning rogue, wanting to blow up, like, no, I I have orders to blow up the nuke. He's going to do it. And then all of a sudden he just turns like, yeah, actually, let's stop it. Let's, uh, let, yeah. let's go. You're totally right. Yeah, no, you're totally right. <laughs> he just like flip-flops like four and times. he's got the gun. I love the yeah. gun where, like, just in case something went really wrong right. we're gonna have a gun in space also didn't they so he's got the gun in space but like after that interaction and he and he stands down and the nuclear bomb gets turned off bruce willis clocks him upside the head with that wrench right yeah, yeah but he's not knocked out and then like he's later fine. on he's just like back with the crew he's fine he's like ah, no problem at all <laughs> all good so if if you took a gun to space and shot a guy or tried to would the physics work the same way that they work I, I don't on earth so. Let me just Google, do guns work well, in space? Even, um, like, if I shot a gun on the moon, I got to think that the bullet's trajectory might be, and I, I'm no scientist, but I got to think that it might be altered. And someone says to you, like, well, what are you doing there with a gun in space? You know, like, even like the goofiness of the hey, whole thing. Hey, why, why do you, hey, yeah. Yosemite Sam, why do you have a gun in space? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so LiveScience.com, what would happen if you shot a gun in space? <laughs> Love it. Fires you. can't burn in the oxygen-free vacuum of space, but gun. Now, this might be like there. There might be a difference between firing a gun as you're floating in space versus firing a gun in a spaceship that has some sort of like right. But I think you would have had control. to take it out. Yeah. So I don't know. Okay. Maybe right. someday no. we'll go to space and. No, I have no interest. No, in I have no space. interest. I don't like space. I really? No interest. Space, yeah. space if board, I was in that yeah. room and Bruce was like, "Who's in?" Like, yeah, I'm out. Like, I'll just take the death. That's I'm not going to space. Oh yeah, I'd I don't like, do space. Yeah. I don't well, do, even, so you're saying that if given, actually, this is another question. Yeah. Let's say you were an expert oil driller, sure. like just like no. these guys. Yep. No, no, I. And you were told the world ends in 18 days, and this is our only plan, and you are the only people that can help us with this. You're saying you don't go. I don't go. Oh, hell no. I'm out. You guys let the world explode. Yes. I'm Cowards. an oil driller. I'm an oil driller. Cowards. Why are you? I, no, I'd say it's your job. Far- you're NASA. You find, you go. I've been called far worse. That's fine. <laughs> what types of things would you guys request? So there's, they have oh, these lists of like, part. all right, we'll totally do this. But uh, my guy needs some parking tickets to be uh, wiped off of his record. This guy needs a couple of women to be made U.S. citizens. <laughs> Shocking. Right? Yeah, like, what are the shaming. things that you guys would want if mm. before you said yes to this? Nothing for me because I ain't going. I'm um, walking. I'm not even going to Nassau to get to hear the pitch. But you're gonna die either way. Yeah, you know what? I'd rather die in my bed than die in space. What's the difference? You're going What's to die difference? either way. What's the difference? The difference is this: accepting your fate or. Dying in some grisly fashion no, in con- outer space. But controlling your, you have a chance to control your face. I got no shot. <laughs> okay. I've got no shot up there. They didn't either. I, but the fact that Ben Affleck didn't die four times is, ugh. I'd probably ask for like twin season tickets if I could hope. <laughs> twin season tickets? That's exactly You ain't ever going to see a twins game again, boy. No, that's fine. Well, no, that, I mean, the idea is if you, if you, if you succeed, you're going to want, you're going to want yeah. something, right? Yeah. Um, all right, next question on our list here. What was the least believable thing about Armageddon? Oh, Christ, you guys threw them all out. No, there's a couple more. Okay, go. go. Right. One minute until a nuclear bomb goes off. Okay, you guys remember that part where the, the yeah. bomb yeah. turns back on, yeah. and there's like a minute 30 left, and Bruce Willis is sitting there giving inspirational speeches, like, <laughs> I will make 800 feet. I swear to God I will. 
and he's talking about his daughter, and they keep showing the clock, and Will Patton keeps giving updates. One minute. We will make 800 feet. I swear to God, 42 seconds. And they're just, like, having this argument about, like, I don't even think it was an argument. I think they had decided that they're going to go through with this. They're going to shut the nuclear bomb off from the the local site. Mm -hmm. But Bruce Willis is going through this, like, emotional speech of some kind. And they know that, like, once it hits 30 seconds, we'll still totally have enough time to shut this nuclear bomb off very calmly Mm -hmm. and level-headedly with the world's existence on the line. So in a movie full of unbelievable things, I thought that was quite ridiculous. So mine is that the second shuttle, which crashes, and all but two were dead, okay? Yep. So Affleck and his buddy who lived get in with, oh, with, by the way, the most stereotypical <laughs> Russian character I have ever oh, seen yeah. in my life. He's got the accent. It's like he's drunk. Welcome he, to the Russian space station. He is, he is nothing. <laughs> I was so, saving okay. your American asses. So this, this is another one where they've got a budget and an unlimited amount of time, okay? And somebody said, you know what we need? We need some comic relief in space. Yeah, let's do a Russian space. Because landing, having to land a refuel was like the, it's like, oh. Okay, whatever. And then he is the most stereotypical drunk Russian totally. boob of all time. But so it's it's Affleck's character, Russian, and the third guy. And they're in what? Like a space rover driller of some sort? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they've like landed in a different part of the asteroid and they like fly it. Yeah. And they like they jump over some sort of cliff. Yeah, yeah. And, and they jump the cliff and they're in space, but then they land back on the asteroid and they and they somehow locate their long lost friends. Um I mean they had a GPS, didn't they? Exactly. Again. <laughs> Google Maps. Again. Not only should they all have been MapQuest. dead, but, but the fact that they just happened. Yeah, they, they had printed out MapQuest, MapQuest directions. But the fact MapQuest that they directions. just happened to find their totally. buddies and, and, and that the, the driller does not get ruined. It's preserved so that they can use that for drilling. They, they literally, by that point, did not care. They're Amazing. like, they're like, it looks good. That's all we care about. Um, that to me was the most unbelievable part. Dex, what was of your least believable part of this movie? Yeah, just the fact that they came up really quickly that oil diggers are going to be the people to blow up this asteroid. <laughs> just like how quickly that was assumed. I just like it was five minutes into the film. We had the introduction of the of the dinosaurs, and here here Manhattan gets destroyed, and then it's just like it honestly is instantaneous. Uh, oil diggers. It was just like there wasn't any type of like. If I, I know Judd doesn't like drawn out scenes, they could have spent fifteen to twenty minutes or a quick little montage of figuring out some type of other people to do this, and instantaneously they knew it. They knew it was deep sea. Like th- this should have been their fallback plan. They yes. should have had like an amazing plan A, and yes. then something bad happened to that, and it's like, oh my god, we have to go to our plan B. It's these guys. <laughs> then it then I would have got it. Uh, actually, I have another least favorite thing or, or uh, least uh, believable thing. So Aerosmith was the the musical star of this movie and, yep. and and well I mean and Liv Tyler Steven Tyler's daughter lead singer of Aerosmith. Mm. So would you believe Aerosmith the Dream On came out in 1973 one of their most popular songs ever. Yep. So Aerosmith had been around for over 25 years. I think they might have even been Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by this point when you get to the late 90s. Sure. Don't want to miss a thing was their only ever number 1 single in the United States. Really? That's yes. insane. Uh Dream On 
the reissue of Dream On in 1975 made it to six. Now, this isn't the rock chart. This is the this is the U.S. top 100 charts. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, Angel in 1988 was third. Loving an Elevator. That's Janie's a Got a Gun were top five. Yeah, that's a good song, too. Uh, what It Takes was top ten. And then I Don't Want to Miss a Thing was number one. Which, by the way, was not their best song. There's well, a lot of bit better. Aerosmith songs in that one. I agree with that, but it was the most mainstream song hey, they ever did. Quickly, of all the crew members, which one was the least likely to go up there in space? Of all the, the guy that guys? the guy that dies drilling the first time, the big guy. Oh, he, the big guy. Yeah, he's sort of fat. Yeah, Max, I think. Yeah, and he and he died. That that guy ain't going. I feel like Michael Clark Duncan because he showed some fear in the initial stages too. Yeah. I love how too Steve Buscemi was just a secret genius. Yeah, I went to MIT. You know, like he <laughs> No, but he would go. Like that's yeah. the type of guy and who he, wouldn't and care. I love He'd how go. he knew that they overshot the landing by seven miles I'm a without ever being to space. Yeah, I'm a I'm a genius. Genius. That's why. Yeah. Oh, when when um at the the start where they identify the the uh, drilling crew and they go find Bruce on his his boat thing that he is drilling on, and the government guy gets off the copter. And says, I need you to get on the copter. It's, no, it's Chopper. Or Chopper. No, chopper. No questions asked. No questions asked. And this guy who supposedly is like really, really a hard ass, right? He's, and he's like really a defiant at times. He basically just says, yeah, I'll go. It is kind of weird. When it's like, like no, you're not asking. Up. It's top secret. Can't tell you right now. I feel like there's got to be more of a discussion in that situation. Yeah, I don't, and I don't think that Bruce is going to just be like, oh, yeah, you know what? No problem. I will leave my, what I apparently think is like a a really high-paying head of this company job to go in the chopper. Well, I think when the U.S. government comes, I think you entertain it. Well, you do. I, think you, I don't think you have a choice. You do, but I don't think that you just, I don't think that you're just told, no questions asked. Get on the chopper. And yeah, they would, like, they would. Hey, no problem at all. They would say, "Is there an office we can talk in before we get on the chopper?" Okay, no problem. Yep, let's go. Production facts for you guys. Director Michael Bay wasn't thrilled by how Ben Affleck's teeth looked on camera, yeah. so he decided to pay for the actor to get a new set of teeth. There's plenty of close-up te- uh, teeth shots of Ben Affleck, and there's just pearly whites. Affleck had to spend eight hours a day for a full week sitting in a dentist chair to get his new pearly whites at a cost of twenty thousand dollars. And I assume that was part of the film budget. Also, in an interview with the Miami Herald, Michael Bay apparently apologized for Armageddon. The journalist alleged that Bay said, quote, I'll apologize for Armageddon because we had to do the whole movie in 16 weeks. It was a massive undertaking, and that wasn't fair to the movie. I would redo the entire third act if I could, but the studio literally took the movie away from us. It was terrible. My visual effects supervisor had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> That's my favorite. So I had to be in charge of that. I called James Cameron and asked, what do you do when you're when you're doing all the effects yourself? But the movie did fine. Uh, and then he later walked it back and said, uh, the journalist quoted me out of context. I love Armageddon. Yeah, he, he was probably drunk when he talked to the journalist. Scientific accuracy. In an interview with Entertainment Weekly, Michael Bay admitted that the film's central premise that NASA could actually do something in a situation like this was indeed unrealistic. However, the largest potentially known hazardous asteroid, uh, which is only seven kilometers in diameter, additionally near the end of the credits, there is a disclaimer saying the National Aeronautics and Space Administration's cooperation and assistance does not reflect an endorsement of the contents (laughs) of the film or the treatment of the characters depicted therein. So a mathematical analysis of the situation found 
that uh, Bruce Willis's approach for it to be effective, he would need to be in possession of an H bomb a billion times stronger than the Soviet Union's Big Ivan, which is the biggest ever detonated on Earth. So they needed a bigger bomb if this was to be realistic. And I, I would have to think, too, that if you did that and, and the H-bomb was as powerful as it would need to be, that the asteroid might miss Earth, but there would certainly be some effect on Earth from ha- from an H-bomb of that significance exploding in space. Yes. Yeah. Like right, you wouldn't boys. be like, hey, yeah, it's, it's Wednesday. We're all fine. <laughs> So now we get to the definitive bad guy rankings, and uh, I think this might be our first inanimate object on the bad guy rankings. The asteroid from Armageddon is the bad guy in this movie. I was rooting for him by the end. Were you really? You just wanted the whole world to be wiped out. Yeah, why not? All right. It's not. I, I mean, come on. Paris gone. Shanghai gone. New York gone. Lambeau Field gone. Uh, Hans Gruber from Die Hard is number one on our list so far of all the movies we've reviewed. Michael Myers from Halloween, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse, and Cobra Kai from Karate Kid are in the top five. Uh, at the bottom of the list, the worst ones that we have reviewed so far, the incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3, the muggers from Death Wish, the French drug lord from Bad Boys, Gans and Billy Bear from 48 Hours, and Cullen the ponytailed creepo from kindergarten cop in the bottom five. God, he was terrible. I'm going to make a case for the asteroid to not be in the bottom five. Oh, I feel like the asteroid was a better actor than the guy who played Cullen in oh, kindergarten it, cop. Oh, the asteroid so was principle far alone, Okay, fine. I have to put also, it above. It did Cullen. wipe out Paris, Southeast Asia and a good chunk of Manhattan. Yes. It did some damage. And so, nobody really questioned it until it wiped out Paris. And that's pretty iconic. If you wiped out literally three pretty, Big chunks of the world. So where would it rank? Where would the asteroid fall? I, I think out of principle, just because of how bad that actor was in Kindergarten Cop, the asteroid's got to be above Cullen from Kindergarten Cop. Oh, I'm Cop. fine with Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And who's above Cullen? Parrot from Tango and Cash or Perrette from Tango and Cash. He was pretty easy. Sloan from Wanted. I mean, that's Morgan Freeman. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if we can put the asteroid above no, that's Morgan fine. Freeman. I'm fine that's with fine. where you're putting yep, that's the good. asteroid. That's good. I was just curious. Okay, so the asteroid Cullen. avoids the bottom five in our... God, that guy could not act. Rankings here. It's pretty bad. All right, now we get to our overall ranking system here. So Die Hard and Halloween are the only perfect 10 scores that we have given out. Way to go, Bruce. Taken, John Wick, Commando, Beverly Hills Cop, Fast and the Furious, The Expendables, Top Gun, and Roadhouse round out the top 10 for us. The worst movies we have reviewed in order from the bottom up are Kindergarten Cop, Shoot 'em Up, Bloodsport, Mad Max 2, Wanted, Rambo, Tango and Cash, and Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. Those are all below a five for us. So we'll start with Judd Zolgad. One through ten, what are you giving Armageddon for a score here? Um, the silliness of it actually helps it. The length hurts it. There was too, way too much. I'm going to give it a six. Okay. Oh, wow. I thought you'd have it lower. I thought you'd have it lower. It, the way you talked about it, I, I thought you'd have it was like way a three too or a four. Lo- it was way too long, but the star power okay. was really high. That's good to know. The star power, I, I don't think that there was one actor that I couldn't stand. Okay. Right? Yeah. Ushemi's unbelievable. Yeah. Bruce is great. Bruce is Bruce. Liv Tyler. Nobody, nobody but nobody in the 90s pouted like her. Every film that she was in back then 
You're preaching to the choir here. With those big lips, yes, no one could pout like Liv could pout. She also put the NASA head guy in an arm bar yeah, at one awesome. point, which I feel like was a little bit unrealistic. I was in a moment it. of crisis, like, <laughs> who's this rando? <laughs> that you're unrealistic. I was, I now, was you've done, now you've gone, <laughs> yeah, too, now far. gone too far. Now you've gone too far. <laughs> I was this would it. never happen. It was fine. All right, Dex, six for Judd. I'm going to give it a seven. I'm going to give it a seven. Um... I think, I don't know, I, it did drag a little bit. Like, the last hour is just great action and everything, mm-hmm. but I don't, knew, I don't know that we needed, like, 90 minutes to set up the last hour. No, so. you did, no you're right. You did so not. So it just, like, it dragged a little bit, and um, I'm going to give it a 7. Yeah, I remember halfway, like, because I always take, I pause the movie for timestamps for audio clips and stuff, and I remember once when they finally got in the air, I'm like, man, how much left of this movie? And it was exactly halfway through, and I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, we're halfway through. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> I, I give this a solid seven. I give it a solid seven too. I, I think it has ridiculous over the tech, uh, over the top action. The special effects are absurd. The crew is awesome. Liv Tyler's a babe, so it's a seven for me. It's a total seven. And that makes it a six point seven composite rating for us, which puts it in a tie with Out for Justice, just behind True Lies, Speed, and Karate Kid, and ahead okay. of Con Air, The Rock, and Death Wish. I think so. that's very fair. So right, kind of, we're kind of right in the middle for by, us. By the way, remember I told you off, Mike? I thought everyone died. Because I thought that was movie that was Deep Impact, Deep Impact, oh, they, which is pretty much the same uh, film. Spoiler alert! Just and they all die. Everyone dies. That's fine. It's fine. So you got that confused with? I thought I okay. was convinced till everyone was throughout oh, okay. the you entire film. I thought people, everyone dies you know in this movie. Here's here's a storyline that could have been eliminated easily, like easily. The guy who has a son who doesn't know who his daddy is. And then he goes and sees the mom, and yeah. the son says, "Mommy, who's that?" And she goes, "A salesman." And then, <laughs> and then she sees him walking to the shuttle and says, "Actually, that's your dad." And then they come back, and they're on the tarmac. Yeah, and they're making out. And like fine. I don't need them. Yeah, that's fine. Like I, I don't need any of that. I don't care. That, that, I don't care about the kid, and I sure don't care about and like that character. I, just kill him. Yeah. Boys, what are we doing next week here? So we got to put some nominations up okay. for next week's, and then we'll put it up for vote. I'm going to go through. Um, there's a bunch of listener submissions here. I'm going to put "Once Upon a Time in Mexico" up Ooh. from listener Rick. Like How that. long is that? for listeners? I think it's long. I've got to look at. Is time. it long? I, I think it's long. We we need to it's look. It's Tarantino, at t- right? I mean, is it Tarantino? I've never. I've swear to God, I've never seen it. It's a listener submission. "Once Upon a Time in Mexico." Uh, it's Robert Rodriguez. Excuse me. Okay, so it's a uh, yeah, two thousand three, and the runtime is one hour forty two. Actually, that's okay, fine. Oh, that's, yeah, fine. Okay, that's fine. That's okay. fine. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, okay. I'm good um, with that. I'll go. Yeah, John Wick two. Nice. We've wow. done John Wick. I want to wow. do John Wick two. I like John Wick a lot. So okay. Terminator. Yeah. All right. Original Terminator. Original. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, very much the original Terminator. Original Terminator. I'm going Kickboxer. Saracana. Kickboxer. Kickboxer. All right. All right. So Terminator, Kickboxer, John Wick 2, and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Jean-Claude Van Damme as a kickboxer. I'm into it. That's all you need to know. (laughs) Are we we going back possibly to... It's very similar to Bloodsport. Very similar to Bloodsport. Which did not fare well on the show. (laughs) Way back when. All right, that's a wrap on Action Movie Rewind. (laughs) It is. It looks the exact same, too. It's amazing. I've been drilling holes in the earth for 30 years, and I have never... Never miss the depth that I have aimed for. And by God, I am not going to miss this one. I will make 800 feet. 42 seconds. But I can't do it alone, Colonel. I need your help. You swear on your daughter's life, on my family's, that you can hit that mark. I will make 800 feet. I swear to God I will. 
and let's turn this bomb off. It's hard if you don't believe in it. And I believe in it. Gerson believes in it. So that's why, that's why, you know, you focus on, and hey, I get it. Losses, you know, when they do stack up, it hurts. It hurts. We're all competitors here. Uh, Patrick Royce, Ryan Saunders, and Gerson still believing in the process. How are you feeling last night when they were down by 30 points in the third quarter to the Portland Trailblazers? I get the cats out, but my God. I wasn't feeling like uh, making sure I can find FSN <laughs> on a new streaming service, I'll tell you that. Exactly. They're not going to be my inspiration. It's going to take something else. Uh, it's, you know, they obviously can't play without the guy and, and compete. And uh, I like a Kogi a lot, and but... You can't play with Naz Reed as your center for 30 minutes. I mean, he's he's a he's a loose cannon, and I don't know what else they can they can do here. I guess uh, I I thought they had a chance if they could get Cat to play like he did in the season opener, play a little defense in the fourth quarter, block a shot once in a while, take some attention away from Beasley and Russell so they could throw up threes. But now. Now you just got Russell firing it up, and boy, there's nobody like. From what I can tell, nobody likes garbage time better than Anthony Edwards. Huh? But he, but he, how many? Oh, he's great. Up? Yeah, nineteen shots, right? Uh, yeah, something like that. Fire, but this is going to just be another. You know, are we back to fifteen wins if this continues and if Cat doesn't play for a while? Well, that seems optimistic. I was going to say fifteen <laughs> would be successful at that point. I don't know. I'm I'm just very stunned by what else happened in the NBA last yesterday. Tibbs signed Taj Gibson. Hey, Tibbs is a hero there, my man. <laughs> they they love they love Tibbs with the Knickerbockers. Did you see Tibbs brought back? Yes, Taj? I love yes. amazing, amazing. The, the top, Tibbs sat out basically a season and a half, and he contemplated what he was going to do. If he got another job, and his answer was, same damn thing. <laughs> the other night they won. They played eight guys. And, uh, you know, the one thing he did change is he didn't listen to Calipari in the first draft he had uh, here and and didn't take Jamal Murray. He took Chris Dunn. This time he took that quickly kid from Kentucky, who's, I guess, pretty good who had to be a Cal guy, right? I mean, he's a Kentucky guy, so mm-hmm. and we didn't know that much about him, so it hasn't. But what I have discovered is how the Knicks, by breeding the Twitter feed and stuff, how how the Knicks have filled that building up for 15 years of utter ineptitude because the Twitter feed is, I love this Knicks team. They're playing so hard. It's it. I'm crying when I watch the games. They're playing so hard. They're five and three. <laughs> you know, it's unbelievable. Uh, I guess there, I guess there is that that inbred Knicks love there. That uh, they just they just want the smallest little tiny sign of life. This team he's got, by the way, is terrible. Have mm-hmm. you looked at the roster? It's unbelievable. He doesn't care. He just he plays them. He plays his guys. The the one thing about Tibbs that I will never get is when when he got let go by 
the Bulls. He he went on that like year of finding himself and like went and watched <laughs> Belichick and went and watched Pop and came back and said, I've got these ideas now. The man never changes. Why'd he bother? Same time, same thing this time. He contemplated life. He he lived here, you know, after he got fired till October. He stayed here in his condo because he couldn't get he had a lease and he was probably paying four grand a month or something. So he didn't even though he was getting what? Fourteen to walk, right? Seven a year. Yeah, a year. I think that's right. I think he got fourteen to walk. He didn't wanna he he hung around here and uh you know, and paid his rent, I guess. Uh it's uh it's it's unbelievable. He hasn't changed at all. But you know what I love about him, don't you? Never once will you hear him say, Forget about me, I love you. <laughs> he doesn't have he's not gonna have family written on the blackboard or anything like that. He's gonna coach to win tonight. And if I was a ticket holder in the arena, I'd like that. Instead of saying, Okay, we only lost by twenty two tonight, we're happy. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think it's it's a super fun marriage to watch because the Knicks have just yeah. been such a disaster and Tibbs tends to come in like a Tasmanian devil and just like burn all the bridges. So he's got about three years to do some damage and then I'm sure he'll be on his way again. We'll see. Well, uh, actually his first year here, they were only what 32 and 50 or something. Right. Oh. They, and that's what he said. Okay. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And he went and got Butler and blah, blah, yeah. blah. But uh, I don't know, you know, if there were fans going to the game, this would really be hurting the Timberwolves crowd to be this rotten right out of the chute. Yes. And D'Angelo Russell, give me a break. This guy, this guy is a, he cares about one person on the basketball court. D'Angelo Russell, he's going to be a terrible role model for Anthony Edwards on how to play the game of basketball, in my opinion. I, 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 I broached a similar sentiment off the top of the show in that, like, he's just, he's being paid to elevate this team and lead this team, and, boy, that ain't that ain't happening now, and I don't know if, if it's going to happen. He had some good, you know, I told you when, well, went to that last, I think the last game I saw in person was against, Phil, when Phil, not Phil, who came in here that had Markel Fultz last year? Sacra- did Sacramento that? have him? Yeah, and they're playing him. And I, D'Angelo is allegedly guarding him and wouldn't even give him a, you know, wouldn't even give him a courtesy wave as he went by, you know. And all of a sudden, Markel Fultz, one of the great flops in NBA history, just driving to the basket, doing yeah. anything he wants to. And I said, you know, the hell with this guy. He's, uh, I mean, he can he can get hot and shoot and have a good game, but he's a knothead. Yeah. No doubt. As a as a basketball player, he's a knothead. That won't cause me to say bring back Wiggy, however. Yeah. But, uh, hey Pat, la- last thing for you here in this this abbreviated wrap with Roycey today. I got some advice for you that we're finding out today. If you ever plan to storm a federal building, wear a mask and leave your work badge in your pocket. Yes, <laughs> that I uh, I told the bride last night that this was my favorite idiot, the guy who kept his work badge. On. Were you surprised? No uh, mask and a work badge. Yeah. All right, Com- completely pre- very, completely predictable. And it's not a little Hubbard work badge that we used to have that we attached. No, it's big, big 
great big one. Hi, my what name is Jerry. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I work at yeah. Super Value down the street from here, but I got the, taking, but I got a break. They're taking, they're taking video here. I think I'll stare at the camera. He's like that guy years ago that they they had a they had cameras set up for weed growing out in the country. We had him on our show, remember? And he walked up and put his face. He walked up there trying to figure out how to dismantle the camera. And he was like the greatest selfie in the history. <laughs> 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 that was this, that was uh, Gary, but this thing turned out not to be too funny. We got a dead cop and yeah. four other dead. Yeah, people. five dead people. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. So, Did well, you read about the woman Air Force person who got shot. Yeah, she was a little off the deep end. Uh, yep, yeah, yeah. She, uh, she thought it was a satanic cult that had fixed the election. So, mm. yeah, it, it, it wasn't. But uh, not not that not good. Yeah. So, all right, all right Pat. Yeah, we'll yeah, talk again next week. See you, Royce. Okay. Bye. All right. Wrapping with Roycey, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and also the the uh, Roycey Unchained podcast with Judd every Monday, scorenorth.com, Apple, and Spotify. If you have suggestions for action movies we should review, send them to us on Twitter, at Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolgad. Preferably at not Dexter 233. Judd is, uh, Judd is not looking for a three-hour extravaganza. No, I'm not looking for... Gone with the Wind was kind of an action movie. It very much was. <laughs> Very much was. Civil War. What do you mean? I know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doubting that for one second. <laughs> All right. That's a wrap on this show. We will see you guys on Monday. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.